You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Portraits, featuring intimate, in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood stars and influencers. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live Portraits, you and Dario <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? You're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. I'm your host, Daryl Christian. Here joining me is DJ Jesse J. What's up? And the lovely Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? Our very special guest today is an actor. He's a singer-songwriter, and we are listening to his new single, Famous, right now. And he's also starring in one of the number one movies this weekend, Get On Get On Up, the James Brown biopic. We have Keith Robinson with us today. What up? What up? What up? What up? I'm feeling this single, my man. You like that? I, I'm, I'm, you like that? And you're showing the guns. I like I like, the, I like this is uh, this camera that I can see myself in. Pose. Yeah, you get you, pose, pose, your full pose. I got on, on right my now. extra medium James Brown T-shirt. <laughs> Hold up today, man! Congratulations, man! You got a lot of good stuff in the works Thank right you, now. Thank you, brother. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. And uh, so, you know, I was reading the reports, and people are are raving about mm-hmm. this James Brown biopic. Yeah, and you were uh, definitely in the top of the weekend box office draw. So that's this is huge. True. That's this huge. Is true. This is good. And now your music, we're going to get to a little bit later, but that, that single, Famous, is releasing tomorrow, correct? It is. It'll be available tomorrow. So you can download it, bootleg it, you know, whatever. <laughs> bootleg just, it. You know, just listen to it just however to you it. need to. If you want to buy it, great. I recommend. But, you know, there's other ways to hear it. I just want you to hear it. Why would you title it Famous? Um, A lot of different things. I think, for one, t- I kind of wrote it after a scene that we did in the movie. I don't know if you saw the movie, but when we take the stage... Uh, Little Richard leaves the stage and we get on stage and uh, Chadwick James Brown's character says, uh, we're the famous flames and then uh, Aloe goes, flames? And I go, famous? So I went back to the hotel and wrote a song called Famous for Loving You, meaning what if you were wanted to be famous for actually loving somebody and, and being known for being uh, unconditional to someone else? And that was your main objective as opposed to being famous for being trifling and, mm-hmm. and right. all these other things that, right. that you know media kind of uh, exacerbates. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never use that word. Big word. Um, so I felt like that was a that was kind of an honest, soulful sentiment that would be dope to say if a woman like I want to be famous for loving you. Mm, I feel that. So and, and for me, it, it just meant my personal meaning was uh, no matter how much I do TV and film wise, I will always be drawn and want to be famous for the music because that's my first love. So it's kind of my ode to music. But for you, brother, brother, you can play it for your girl and say, I want to be famous for loving you. So <laughs> I like that. It's a dual like meaning. That. It's a you dual meaning. I feel that. Now, you were born in Kentucky, That's grew up that. in Greenville, South Carolina, and then later on moved to Decatur, Georgia, right? Uh, Close, close. I was born in Kentucky. I grew up in grade school, Greenville, South Carolina, moved to Augusta High Augusta. School. Augusta, okay. Went to college in Athens, Bulldogs, moved to Decatur and lived kind of my formative creative years in Atlanta, and then I moved right down the street from the studio. And, and, well, very close. There you go. There you go. In this heat. Now, this heat. growing up, did you always have singing and acting and performing in your life? I mean, at a young age, did you know this is where you wanted to be well, when you grew up? I was always drawn to it. I was always, my brother was huge in music. He always had all the latest records, so I was really drawn in music. My mom was a singer uh, who could have sang secular music with Motown when she was coming up back in the days of Aretha Franklin and all that because she grew up in Alabama and she was blow, and blowing up churches and stuff. So the music thing was kind of always in me, but I was really focused on playing ball Okay. up until high school. So music, you know, I'll be singing, and everybody was like, well, sing something, Keith. It was like I was just 
sing at the lunchroom or just entertain people, but I was focused on playing ball. And then I suddenly stopped growing. So <laughs> I figured, well, maybe I should see, get serious. And I got in a group in my senior year in high school, and we kind of started winning a bunch of talent shows around Augusta, Georgia. And uh, once I heard that first scream from the front row, That'll I, was, do it. I was on <laughs> it. That first fan reaction. I was like, yo, this is it. <laughs> he, he was like, and famous will be coming everything. very soon. College, hold on, Dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you did end up going to college, University of Georgia. Yeah. And now I read that you had gotten a music contract with Motown while right. you were that still in high college. School? Yeah, you've been reading. I like I've been that. reading about you, I my like brother. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, my second year, my sophomore year, I got out of a group in high school. I went to college. My first year, I got in another group with two other guys who were in groups. We formed a group, started performing around campus. Then our sophomore year, we got a, a deal with Motown Records. Okay. And um, we were signed for all of about, I don't know, two months. It was a short run. Was a, we got caught in the executive shift, long story short. And um, we started tooling around Atlanta trying to re-sign. And ultimately, we said, we got to go to where it's at. We got to go to New York or we got to come out west. Yeah. And we chose L.A. because it wasn't as much concrete and, you know, kind of resembled home, the weather. We figured we could make our way around. And uh, we hit I-20 and kept driving, moving into a couple hotels. and. Wow. The rest is history. And then how did you initially get in front of Motown? Like, how did that even take place? Well, there was a, there, we saw this concert promoter, huge concert promoter, had a production situation with um, with Motown Records. So they were looking for acts. And we and a guy heard about us performing on campus. For, we, we had won this AKA talent show. AKA. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, he heard about it. And he drove us to Atlanta to audition, you know, with a lot of other groups and acts. And, and he... We won. He chose us, and uh, from then on, it, it kind of my introduction into show business was was had officially started. And then you were kind of working as well as an actor. You moved to LA, and you got a lot of films and TV projects. Yeah. And now, did you have an agent at the time? How did you kind of work now, that angle? The acting thing was a total accident. Um, I met this girl who was in Atlanta, back and forth, lived out here. I it came always out starts here. with a girl. It, it always starts, starts with, with a chick <laughs> every time. <laughs> Shout out to her. You know who you are. Um, I went to an acting class with her just to kind of see what it was all about. It seemed like everybody had a headshot and yeah. an agent. I was so far removed from the acting thing. I was like, I'm so glad I do music because, it, you know, I was just like kind of scoffing at it. And um, I went and read a scene because I wanted to kind of improve my stage presence. And I was it. I left three weeks later. The teacher thought I was decent, told me to go read for this role of Power Rangers, which I didn't even know what it was. But I figured it could pay my third of the rent. So. Yeah. Beat out like five thousand people, man. Yes, lost ten dude. pounds. Yes. Got lost ten pounds on those McDonald's salad shakers. <laughs> Didn't have a headshot. Got a disposable camera. Shot out all the pictures. Me and my boy in front of the apartment building. Like, bam, bam. One hour photo. Kinkos. Here's my headshot, and I got the role. I was on TV within six months of being out here, which was wow. I see now being in the game. Uh, long, how much of a miracle blessing that was Absolutely, I didn't, yeah. people yes. were looking at me like my boys are calling me like, man, let me fill out an application. I'm gonna get on TV too, and I was like, I don't even know how. I ain't know I got here, bro. Yeah. I'm just here beating up aliens and they paying me, you know. It is what it is. And so, but like music wise, you know, to get something like that, obviously, you know, you're saying music was your first passion. Mm -hmm. But like something like the Power Rangers, which yeah. is this huge. huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, like, yeah. how do, you, you just didn't know that that, where that was going to take you. And especially with the fans from something yeah. like Power Rangers, you're kind of in that forever now. Forever, yeah. Yeah, Morphicon is the end of this month, so it's going to be crazy. But yeah, I, I, um, I didn't really know. And I think that kind of helped me looking back because I kind of walked in the room with this carefree as being myself because that's all I really there was no preconceived notion I didn't know what to do they they get I read it to I read the role they wanted a natural young guy kid and um 
that worked to my advantage. And I think after looking back, I realized how it's like the biggest, most successful kids series in, in yeah. you know, television history or something like that. But at the time, I was just kind of going with the flow, going with the moment. And I mean, what I was, was just sleeping on the floor on network TV because I flipped the coin and he got the bed. I was on the floor. <laughs> it was literally like that. You know what I mean? What was your music like uh, at the time? At the time, I was in a group. So we were still cutting songs and I was preparing for studio time because I had a little extra money. Were you guys paying, playing gigs out and stuff? Or We were more trying to, we were more rushing labels with our dads because back then it was dads. I was, I mean, I gave away our dads to some kind of Interscope. We got kicked out of Interscope. We was running them all. anywhere we could get in we could fit in just to be seen we were trying to do it we were you know cutting songs we, we um i think we got our we sang background on one of warren g's album wow. album uh i want it all album so we were just hustling like a lot of artists were you know what i mean and then my uh, so i was kind of moonlight nine to five in it with the with the power rangers and then as soon as we rapped i was with the fellas in the studio in the lab with the fellas are you still cool with them today we're still cool but you know we don't we don't really talk anymore hmm that's a so you are yeah, Kelly them from the public announcement. <laughs> you know, you would think that. You would think that, but no, it, that wasn't it. I think I think L.A. has a way of, you know, it separates you. Like, if you really want this thing, you're going to have to go get it. There's, you can't go down the street to Grandma's house and True. sleep. So that kind of, it kind of separated the hungry from, yeah. from those just kind of coasting. I think that's what happened because once my TV film career kind of took off, I began to hustle. And I was like, yo, let's go, let's go. And it's like, they, it, we kind of just... It happened. We yeah. kind of exploded. Yeah. You know, one moved back without telling me. The cat who rode shotgun with me, he moved back. And the other guy, we, you know, he just, we just kind of drifted apart. You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, you know, groups do that. They run their course. Hey, the True. Eagles oh. broke up. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, Jodeci broke up. So, you know. I know. Jodeci so broke hard. up. Jodeci broke yes. up. They're back together, though, yep. aren't they? They, they they're, they're trying. They're yeah, trying. they're trying. Like the rest of us. Shout out to Jodeci. <laughs> But what gave you sort of, when did it shift for you that you were going to follow the acting thing? Like that it wasn't just the Power Rangers? Like, Well, you... I mean, I, it shifted. I mean, there was never a shift. I just feel like it added on. I knew that, hey, man, um, I'm good at this. I have a knack for it. It didn't feel like much of a transition performance-wise. And uh, things just started building. And I wanted I was, I was, wanted to get another credit as soon as possible mm-hmm. so that I, my career wouldn't have started and ended mm-hmm. with Power Rangers so people would take me seriously. And I was very focused on that. And I knew that that would maybe create more lanes for my music. And uh, that's what it did. I mean, think right after Power Rangers, I did a TV movie with Mark Paul Gosler called uh, The Princess and the Marine mm-hmm. on NBC, which is it was a true story about this Marine who AWOL with this princess from Syria heavy heavy Oprah it was on Oprah and everything then I did ER the 150th anniversary of ER which was the big train wreck with oh, yeah. Noah yeah. Wiley and, yeah. and uh, Eric LaSalle and when ER was like huge huge Everybody and I had to it. play this fearful medical student and that wasn't hard because I was looking at real people I'd seen on TV and now I was active with them and I was like what the hell am I doing <laughs> in here right now so that was uh, like my intro and then I just kind of you know I wanted to keep it going, so I'm still peddling. You know what I mean? And you did. You went on. You were on American Dreams. And- I was. I was on American Dreams. I played this um, this uh, militant guy named Nathan who got kicked out of his mom's house in Mississippi and kind of moved to North Philly and was responsible for starting the Philly riots. And that was historic around a lot of great artists. And you know, I was moonlighting on a sitcom, so I was just I was just hustling, man, just kicking down doors and you know not looking back. So. In the middle you know. of all that, did you ever go back to the acting class? Did you take private coaching oh, yeah, yeah, or for did sure. you stick with your... Yeah, that's when I began to really study. She became my manager, the acting coach. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, she became my manager all the way up until a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I began to really study the craft and really hone it. Because I think acting is like, 
you got it or you don't, but there's ways that you can hone it and get better at it. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an innate ability to kind of tap in and, and be real and live in front of a camera, but you still have to know how to do it, and you can always get better. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I'm always, I'm constantly trying to study and learn stuff because you, you never, important. you never stop learning how to act. It's just, it's an elusive craft to say the least. Yeah. What would you say yeah. was the hardest kind of hurdle for you coming off the streets, not knowing really like what a headshot is or how auditions really go? What was kind of the biggest hurdle for you tr- making that transition into film? Um, the biggest hurdle. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I guess that just the, the mechanic. I guess the hurdle might have been off the camera knowing learning the politics of it and like yeah. once the wool is taken off your eyes and you see it oh okay <laughs> okay so it's not necessarily who's the best person it's, that's probably the the biggest hurdle that you kind of continuously learn about just the politics of it and how one you look behind curtain number one you know in curtain number two depending on what's behind that curtain could be one project could lead to this and one project could lead to that you know mm-hmm. what I mean so I just think kind of navigating your way and trying to create a body of work and have some longevity is like the biggest hurdle is just an entertainment period. You know so what trying I mean? to stay focused on the big picture versus just... Yeah, trying to make good strategic moves that's going to allow you to continue to grow and build on your body of work. It's It can be tough. Okay. Well, your body of work was excellent because <laughs> you landed a huge role in 2006 in Dreamgirls, which True. is an Academy Award winning film. And yeah. you were also nominated for an Oscar as well. Yeah, oh, the song Patience that I performed in the movie was nominated for an Oscar, which was super cool. You know what I mean? That was, that was like... The Oscars, just, I don't know if y'all been before, but it's... It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's. it's I've, been, I've been outside. It's the show. <laughs> it's the show, man. It's like you know, everything is. The teeth are whiter, the suits are blacker, the heels are higher. You know, it's a good, good, good event to be at. And how did it feel to actually perform that song there, just in that moment? Too? Man, that was crazy. You know what? I kind of didn't really want to soak up the moment then because I didn't want to like look. It's kind of like being on a tightrope, but you don't want to look down. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, kind of just zoned out but it was pretty amazing it was a billion people I think they had just done some type of deal where Japan or Asia was able to see the do the uh, Oscars again the, the stage and I was like you ready billion people alright there you go and I was like <laughs> and it was like J-Lo and Clint Eastwood <laughs> me and my brother were like I was on stage I was like <laughs> Beyonce it was, it, was, it, was, it was cool man it was like kind of having an out of body experience really looking back you know it was, it was it was fun man and while you were performing who were you looking at you know what I mean like I always want to know Clint Eastwood and Peter O'Toole wow. I was like now that's wow. a combo let me try to make these cats move if I can make them move everybody will move then I'm doing my thing yeah I would say so you know what I mean I think I saw a shoulder move or someone's yeah. eye twitch or something <laughs> So, hey, mission accomplished. <laughs> and that was a huge ensemble cast. I mean, Jamie Foxx, Eddie Murphy, yeah. as you mentioned, Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson. And you recorded a song with Jennifer during the movie. We did. <laughs> what was that like to work with her? Because she's just a powerhouse. Of, and that she was her dope, year, yeah. too. That was, that was, that was J-Hud's year. I that mean, it was, um, it was great. I mean, she was like my sister. I mean, she was coming in. She was as greener than I was when it came to the acting thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're both singers. But, you know, just to see her transformation from, you know, you know, us hanging out to where I had to talk to like six big dudes to get around them to talk to her it was yeah. like that transition was like wow the power of the machine was pretty amazing but I mean being in the studio with her it was like being with any other artist it's a great artist great vocalist I hate they cut that scene out of the movie if you guys could have seen that they yeah. do it you see it's online you see it's yeah. recording the song but we had to take it out because of you know, length of the movie or whatever. It's on the DVD though, isn't it? Is it on the, I think it's yeah. on the DVD. I mean, I kicked and screamed to have it in the movie. That was my moment. I felt. Yeah. But uh, they didn't listen for some reason. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. 
I don't get it, but uh, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> they still won their awards. They did do that. And then who were you closest to while filming? I mean, you had everybody <clears throat> on that film, and it seemed like you guys had a really good time and had a good energy together. Who was one of your favorite people to work with? I think probably Jamie. You know, Jamie was like one of the homies. You know, he was yeah. fresh off the Oscar, but yeah. still had that, that youthful energy. You know what I mean? You could Very accessible life the center of the room wherever he was so he was he was a lot of fun to work to work with and, and, and jennifer was cool beyonce was was everybody was really cool but beyond i mean people wanted to hear that there was like diva isms going on but mm-hmm. i think everybody had like a healthy respect for each other's talent so yeah. it was it wasn't too much bs going on at least from what i could see yeah and then you know eddie would show up and he would be cool and yeah do his thing he didn't say much but he did his thing so i was just like you know glad to be there and then we were talking a little bit before the interview started about Beyonce, and yeah. she was is on tour with Jay Z and just ended yeah. up in L. A. Yeah. What do you think about all that scrutiny that she's getting right now because of the marriage between the two? And and uh, what, what's your take on it? I, I think it's tough, man. I mean, it's hard enough to just to be in a marriage period or to be with someone, especially when this this envi- transient environment we live in, social media. It's tough to be focused on one person, but when you're the baddest chick in the world, <laughs> baddest, and yes. he's like very you know powerful slick business mogul and they portrayed the marriage as being you know the first marriage almost it's Mm -hmm. like this thing that we all look to like they're both rich and talented I mean it's tough it's a tall order to live up to and it takes some you know some really focused and humble individuals to stay in that type of situation so it's you know I'm not I I can't say that I'm shocked but you know I wish her the best and if she doesn't you can call me (laughs) we can talk you know, um, but I'm rooting for her. I got I got love for Beyonce. I mean, being beside her and working with her, you kind of even get to you like her even more because she, she I think she understands the power she has. So she ha- does a great job of disarming that and being when you're in the room with her. So she's super cool and yeah. down to earth and like because I've met divas who got a reality show and I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> are you on BH1? You acting like this? Right, right. Are you kidding right. me? I feel you on that. Get yeah. the, get, you know, I I'll throw you. my drink on you right now. <laughs> But B was super cool and, <laughs> and, and a grinder and a straight hard worker. Yeah. So, you know, I really admire and uh, I miss her. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, well, if they uh, unfortunately break up, we know where we might find her. Well, I mean, you know, hey, hey you know, I, you know, hey. <laughs> Let's not do anything that wanna, could lead back to this. I just want to be a friend. Right, exactly. I, I, just being a good friend, supportive former right. cast member you know. is, you know, my, my duty. And then from Dreamgirls, you moved on to the miniseries. Is it Com- Comanche Moon? Comanche, Comanche Moon. Comanche Moon. Whoa. Now, how do you go from picking, a f- like, what type of project you can pick after you were yeah. Academy Award winning, nominated, you know, how do yeah. you pick a I mean, it wasn't it? like people were like, Keith, will you do our movie? It wasn't like that. It was like my name was almost on the radar, but, you know, I had a bit of an in, but it didn't like, it wasn't like with Jayla, with Jennifer where it was like, the whole world wanted to work. It was I still had to kind of get out here and make my moves, but I had a nice calling card in my backpack, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So Comanche Moon came along because Danny Glover played the same role 15 years, the character right. 15 years yes. earlier, and he was at the time doing Dreamgirls with me. And this six-hour miniseries came along, and it was historic, and it was something. What's something that I can do that's out of the box right yeah. now because I've done this clean, pristine songwriter, big star thing, and I wanted to get grimy, so... Comanche Moon came along and it seemed like, you know, I'd be on a horse. I was with Val Kilmer and yeah. and uh Steve Zahn and some great act and it was a classic piece. Lonesome Dove was like thirteen Emmys. 
This is Comanche Moon, which was the, the this. It was a four part series right. shot out of order. So this is the movie that happened before Lonesome Dove. So it just seemed right, you know. But I mean, the first day I didn't know how to ride a horse. I told him I did. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for the role. I came out there in a fresh Nike suit, white. <laughs> On the on the president, like you sure you gonna ride that boy? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll ride it. And after that, I was like, yeah, I was hanging up the side of a horse. So they taught me how to ride a horse in like a day. So no stunt double then, I'm assuming. That's on me. I mean, and I had and I had two. I had I had the jackass, you know, and my horse because the, the supply horse, you know, what I mean, because mm-hmm. the brother had to. You got to make yourself useful, bro. This, the, right. this, the, you know. So Before I could sew and cook and fight and all that. So I had to. So I'm 70 miles an hour with 11 horses and riding up an Indian town. I'm like, this is crazy. But it was fun, man. Three months. Now, did you have a love for westerns kind of before that? Is Do you have a favorite western that you um, watched? I love, uh, what's the one with uh, Emilio Estevez in them? Um, oh, uh, City Slicker? No, no, that's not. That, uh, um, that's that's still done. Like Desperado, but that's not. not def- you know, it's, 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 it's Emilio Estevez. It's, uh, oh, no, that's George it's, um I know what you're talking I always about. miss it. It's, 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 it's so, Young Guns. Young Guns. That's young it. Guns yeah. is super hard. I love it. Love Young Guns. So it was kind of like that. You know, who doesn't as a kid, you ride around on a horse shooting up <laughs> Indians. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it was like, you know, aliens, Indians, you know, I was kind of fulfilling all my childhood <laughs> fantasies. There you go. <laughs> you know, like aliens, everything. I mean, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. You, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> You can play cowboys and Indians. You play aliens. Yeah. You cops no, and robbers. Absolutely. Singing. You know, cops and robbers. Cops and robbers. So that's going to be the next movie. Cops and robbers. Exactly. Okay. a good name. And yeah. then you continued on with working a lot. Uh, you were in uh, The Castle, Lie to Me, yeah. Love That Girl, White Collar, Second Generation Wayans. Yeah. Uh, what oh, was yeah, one wow. of your favorite experiences uh, to work on? What show was, you, was one of your favorite experiences to work on? Um... They were all they were all cool. I mean, White Collar was cool because we did it. I played this uh, owner of this jazz club in Harlem with up in Harlem with Bill Bellamy. We played bowlers. That was pretty dope. Uh, cast like I played is just criminal, straight up, you know, two bit criminal. It was kind of comedic, you know what I mean. So I got to do a bunch of running scenes with that. Um, what was my fun? Oh, you know what my funnest show was? Dark Blue. Remember Dark, Dark Blue? Blue? Yeah, Dark Blue. Yeah, Dark Blue was super hard. I was with me and Omari and Dylan McDermott, and I played this. Uh, Real slick, dope boy. Had a fresh Porsche, uh, Porsche uh, Panamera when they just dropped. Had the fresh gear, iced out. He was like, this is perfect. You know? <laughs> this is like, and I know I'm not going to go to jail or die because this is fake. And I got to do a high-speed chase in the back lot in this Panamera. And I got to pistol whip Dylan McDermott with a Tech 9. Oh. You know, this is wow. fucking That's nice. Yeah. You know. But uh, that was super fun. And Omari is, is the homie. Me and Omari actually went to college together. Huh. So that was our first time we got to really work together. So that was cool. That was fun. That was a great show, man. I hate it went away. Yeah. Had you ever seen Lie to Me before? I had seen um, one episode of it. And I love the uh, the lead actor, uh, Tim. Um, um, yeah. Um, what's what's his name? Like, um, yes. Tim. What's the lead actor's name? Uh, it's not Tim Robbins. Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. I knew Tim Roth. R. Yes. I loved him from Hoodlum. Remember Hoodlum? Yes, he was dope in Hoodlum. He was hard in Hoodlum. He was dope in Hoodlum. Yes. Super cool dude. They built this really cool that box they had that lie box they yep. had, where you go in there and they kind of the watch your movements yeah. and everything, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It was a real. Yeah, I actually got set. hurt on that show because we got this fight scene. I threw my back out on that show. 
But, uh, you know, all in the day's work. All in the day's yeah, work. really. Well, you transition back and forth between TV and film very simplistically, seemingly. Have you, what, how have you been able to do that so easily? I mean, it's more f- frequently happening now, I guess, like yeah. lots of movie stars coming to TV and that kind of thing. But yeah. over the years, it hadn't really been that way. And you yeah. seem to have had a career that was consistently in that space. How did yeah. you? I, I, you know, I don't really have a formula for it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you just... You just try to stay up on your craft and try to stay as versatile as you can, you know, and just, you just swing, you know, you just try to embody the character as best you can and some you win, some you don't. So I don't know if there's a particular way that you can kind of navigate what you want to do unless you're Denzel Washington and they're dropping scripts on your doorstep yeah. and you're right. like, no, <laughs> no, you know, you kind of run at as much as you can and just, you know, I'm a worker, so if there's if there's a if there's a role if there's an opportunity then I'm going to definitely go seek it and try to you know try to get the job so do you have a preference though creatively that one that just feels better to you that you enjoy more no i don't i think it's all about the work mm-hmm. you know i think films stay around forever you know and tvs are small moments like if you happen to be watching by the tv and you catch a great scene unless you're a fan of that show then you may forget about True. what happened so there's a lot of there's a there's good money's constant check but there's a lot of moments and a lot of work that it takes a long time to build, to lock in an audience mm-hmm. just for Hollywood to say, okay, they know him now. Now let's put him on the big screen for this one movie that will live forever. Yeah. You know, like C.C. White will live forever. But, you know, a lot of other characters in the small TV world, they kind of, you know, it's an assembly line, so to speak. So that 60-foot screen, if you can make an indelible impression on that screen, then you can be immortal, so yeah. to speak, mm-hmm. as an artist, you know. And then it seems like there's a lot of efforts right now in Hollywood to to increase the diversity, we'll say. And we have Shonda Rhimes, obviously, who's doing great things with ABC. And we have CBS that's making some efforts to kind of change their program around, even though they got a little bit of uh, criticism as of late for their fall lineup. But do you see a change in Hollywood as far as diversity? And do you think that there's going to be more opportunities for African-American actors since we have Oscar-nominated African-Americans? I hope so. I mean, And winners? I think we've had some change. I think there's still a long way to go. Uh, but I think we're having some changes. I mean, I just think that the world, every day the world gets more and more diverse. I mean, this is like in the room is we're all different yeah. shades and sizes. And I think, um, I think there's still some reluctancy by the, the powers that be to really truly reflect how diverse the world is. I think it's headed that way. It's starting to get there. And every, with every nomination uh, or with every successful movie of ethnicity it, it moves us along but I think it's still short yardage Yeah, looking at the grand scheme of things at the number of great black actors and uh, actors of color that are there and the numbers the, the number of those that work consistently are minuscule True. compared to you know the number of Emmy nominees is so vast in comparison so I think we've made steps but they're steps yeah. so we still got some work to do we definitely, we definitely have some work. They still say that it's tough to market those films, which I still really? don't understand because I'm like, you know, you go overseas, you go around the world. It's like this, this is how the world looks. It's diverse. Right. But I think they, you know, y'all hear me. What would you like to see come to light that hasn't been done as far as like a, a script or a role? What would you like to see? I, you know, there's a lot, man. Um you mean what kind of movie would I like to see? Yeah, or? yeah we'll say movie because this is the year that, you know, the, even though 12 Years a Slave won, there was still a lot of criticism of us always going yeah. back to that type of format of the slave or the help yeah. as an African-American actor. Yeah. So what would you like to see that hasn't been done or, or a shift in the 
the perception of what the actor is in in a film. I, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's not. There's a lot of different things that I'd like to see done. I mean. Uh, there's a lot of biopics. I think there's a lot of great stories to be told still by different artists. I think I'd like to see more uh, superheroes of ethnicity. Um, I think they just did the uh, the the uh, story of the Egyptian gods. I think mm-hmm. they're showing right now. I think Chadwick's actually in that one. But I would I, I think I would have liked to see more yeah. ethnicity along with Chadwick. You know what I mean? Because there's um, if you're in Egypt, then you. You're gonna be a little tan, <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that is for sure. That is true. You over there by the equator, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. You know you're gonna get a tan, but uh, I just want to see more anything anywhere. I just want to see more of these leading roles to be thought of as this guy could be Asian, this guy could be Indian, this guy could be black, this guy could be you know not always the the, the typical of what we see in Hollywood. I just want right. to see the envelope pushed more more you know what I mean I think shows like Scandal and stuff like that with Kerry Washington is, is uh, a great example of that yeah. you know you can't have a black leading female and still get the numbers that's in true a, in, a, in a big way so hopefully you know we'll keep moving that way well, with the biopic uh, topic I know Lifetime's working on a deal with uh, releasing like a Whitney Houston one yeah. Aaliyah the, and, a, and a couple other ones yeah. and the big controversy around them is that you know Lifetime is just putting these out and not having anything to do with the families what's kind yeah. of your take with that I think that's I think it I think you gotta connect with the families I mean because they're the closest thing to the depiction of the person mm-hmm. it's almost like the fam- the families are gonna have the, the most accurate POV uh, it may be a little bit biased because of their but you gotta you gotta have their say right I don't say it has to be the final say because you know it's like you see you know Jeffrey Dahmer, mama was like, "Well, he's just a great kid. I love him. <laughs> right, right. I love him. Well, you know, right. he ain't that right. <laughs> right yeah. But we'll take that. We'll take what you say. We'll play that. We'll play that element of him. But you know, so you gotta definitely use the fact. It's almost, and you don't want to disrespect the heritage. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're gonna do a biopic on somebody, then at least go to his love, their loved ones, their bloodline, and, and respect them at least. Don't just put up what you think you know because of True. what you've seen, what the media portray. Because as we all know. Uh, the reality and perception are completely different. You know, you see these huge stars, and their lives are quite different than that. Maybe they don't. That personality is not that necessarily that person. So if you're going to tell the truth about them, then you got to go to the people who love them and grew up with them unconditionally. So to not have their say, I think dilutes True. the process. It dilutes the picture, and it doesn't make it authentic. Which I which I love about James Brown. They were very. Uh, the family was very involved and they allowed them to be involved so I think once they stamped it then it makes it you know it makes it official what were some of the things that you were doing uh, for this role to prepare for this role and you know kind of get into that mindset of that time or uh, what was some of the research in development that you were kind of well, I mean, me being a musician from the South, I mean, I, I kind of just tapped into that energy because I feel like if I lived in that era, then I'd be one of these guys on the stage moving around back of the bus, front of the, you know, I'd be, I would have been a performer because I am now. Uh, but and I think once you get into the clothes, you're around the energy of it. You do the, you do the, you know, the research of the actual person. It wasn't that hard. It just kind of falls into. It place. just kind of falls into place. It wasn't like it was so different from my own reality. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't. I mean, the only thing that really was different was me having to learn how to play the bass. Which yeah. was pretty terrifying, but <laughs> I got through it. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but I'm yeah. playing a bass. So, and what was That's your audition right. process like? You know, I actually auditioned for another role. Actually, I auditioned for um, um, well, James, of course, mm-hmm. and then I auditioned for uh, 
my brother who plays Aloe, Bla- Aloe Black plays Nate Floyd. So yep. they kind of swapped us for whatever reason. But I was like, cool, man. I just want to be on a, be in the film. You know, I'm from Augusta. I went to high school there. It's, you know, James is from Augusta. I, I knew the family. Yeah. You know, great cast. I wanted to work with Tate Taylor because he's an amazing director. So I'm just glad it worked out. I was able to get on the cast list and, you know, shoot a couple layups. And what was your favorite scene in the movie? Favorite scene in the movie? I got a couple. I think when we played Caledonia, uh, when we take over the stage from Little Richard in the in the uh, <laughs> that's pretty hilarious because um, it just shows the boldness of you know James Brown just like you know you're gonna hear me or not whether you you know he, and and the other scene was uh the night that he performed in Boston I thought because if you watch the doc, if you watch the YouTube or if there's a documentary called The Night James Brown Took yeah. uh, Save Boston you could have shot a whole movie just on that yeah. one night alone because it was like Dr King died yep. Government was it like, was historic. we got 10,000 Negroes. Yep. We, they're going to be mad. He said, well, you, you might as well let them in the arena or they're going to be in your front yard. So make a decision. But if you look at the actual documentary and you see James Brown, uh, Chadwick movements, that's when he most morphed into James Brown to me. Because even some of the arm movements when he told the kid, get off the stage, it looks almost identical hmm. to James Brown's movement. And that was just a uh, testament to how much Chad studied yeah. This character, so I was really proud of him. Just the way he did it, because it's a it's a, it's a hard ass character. Yes, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I was complex. like, even in rehearsals, I was like, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> I'm I'm nervous for you, bro. But he did it. You know what I mean? I think he he stamped himself. You know what I mean? One of the great performances, I think. And what do you think of some of the criticism that, uh, as much accolades as the film is getting, it also got a little criticism because they felt like the character of James Brown, they only showed the positive greater side of him outside of some of the darker times that he had what do you think about some of those things that are said about that I mean he did a lot of things I mean but they touched on it I mean you want an hour and a half movie of abuse and like <laughs> right. and, I mean <laughs> right. you, you, it, he's a he's a, an amazing guy who lived ten lives in one so yeah. we shot seven hours of film so you have to touch on everything get his point across and show him three three hundred sixty degrees so they didn't shun it but they showed it and they didn't dwell on it because the, if you look at him um Overall, the good outweighs the bad. He was a humanitarian. Sure. He's a ma- he, amazing musician. He was a hard worker. He's persevered. An activist. Activist. Yeah. He he did things. He went into the war zone for the soldiers, and he he was breaking down doors that didn't even exist for a black man in the fifties, in the sixties. So I think those things way out far outweigh his, you know, abusive. Maybe he was abusive to women. They showed that. Yeah. They showed the drug use after you know his, his, but it wasn't all drugs his whole career. As a matter of fact, in the beginning of his, in his career, he was adamant against that stuff. But you know, life has its ups and downs. So sometimes you know people deal with it in different ways. But I think the loss of his son kind of drove him to that. So I think that's just a criticism. There's no way you're not going to have any yeah. criticism True. Yeah. when it comes to They're James Brown. Something. I mean, yeah. but you guys delivered the, the essence of the essence of James Brown. Yeah, I mean, you you got it. You felt like you knew him. A little bit better, and yep. you knew why he did the way he, he he was the way he was by showing his childhood. I mean, he re- literally raised himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, most kids would have died or been in jail or never came out, but he continuously to to press on. So, you know, they always get mad about that. They want to see the negative. That's what makes people watch. But you know, what's your them. favorite James Brown song? Uh, Man's World is is one of my favorites. I love that. And uh, this song called "I'll Go Crazy." I actually remade this song called "I'll Go Crazy." One of his fillers, and because I was trying to, I was trying. They were doing an album, um, a tribute album, where they're going to take other artists and kind of redo his music. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I want. I redid a song called "I Go Crazy," which is pretty dope with a with a hip hop spin on it. So, mm. but I mean, he had a lot of great songs. 
What was something you learned about yourself as an artist from working on the film and researching it and sort of immersing yourself in James Brown for all those however long you guys shot that you'll take with you going forward? Mm, I just, I don't don't know what I learned about myself. Hmm. It's a good question. I don't know what I learned about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or anything about James Brown that you didn't know? Well, he was an avid boxer. He could box. He played ball, uh, baseball, and to play baseball. I just think knowing his his, I didn't realize how tough his upbringing was. Yeah, I didn't realize how um, the odds were completely stacked against him for him to be able. To, I didn't for him to be able to be the greatest hardworking man in show business. Um, I think for me it was validating to be a part of another big project uh, in Hollywood because they're hard to come by for artists for especially for black artists so that was validating because it's like okay I'm still here I'm still peddling <laughs> I'm still you know what I'm saying I'm still notching them so that was kind of uh, I think a testament to some. I think James Brown would have been proud of me for continuously to you know because I came here I had a 27 inch TV and a lock and a foot locker and I lived on cold water and Ventura right. and that's pretty much how I started so that that was validating to still be going to set with call sheets on a big film so that was good I was I was grateful to be there you know but for him I, you just learn about how strong he was he was just a super super strong guy who you know didn't take no for an answer like even the Rolling Stones I didn't know he was cool with Mick Jagger I mean, yeah. Mick Jagger produced the film but he, they were in awe of how you know commanding he was there's a scene where he took over the stage and he, they wanted him to close it but he he closed it anyway yeah. without, closing right, right, without closing it right yeah. you know what I mean I mean, just having that type of resolve and that type of you know definitive purpose you know is pretty incredible and then speaking of music you have a new single that you're releasing tomorrow yes uh, it is called Famous Famous that's right and then it's off an album called Love Episodic Love Episodic and yeah. what's the what, what can fans expect off of this album they can expect me uh Free, I call it free form soul. I kind of let the songs kind of write themselves, just kind of dictate. I wasn't so married to hook verse, hook verse, and trying to um, lick you up, lay you down, <laughs> bend you over, <laughs> bust you out. Right, and, right, right, right. Uh, I said that in a different way. I kind of wanted to get into the nuts and bolts, into the idiosyncrasies of the relationship, how men and women really relate to each other, and what makes them tick. So, because you know, there's there's a million ways to say I love you. You know what I'm saying? And I think Love Episodic is an episode of love. It's kind of a a, 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 a look at the stages and the in the POVs of a relationship between a man and a woman. So it's very soulful and it kind of comes from real life experiences and my interaction with women in different points of my life. Mm. And I think the music side of it, just keeping it purely soulful and live instrumentation with real vocals, was influenced by the movie. Because you're just around it every day. You're yeah. around, I'm around James Brown band. It's got I got his bass player teaching me how to play bass. Mm-hmm. I got Aloe. I got Tariq Black Thought. It's Jill Scott. You know, it's everybody around who's truly a musician. So I wanted to really stay true to the to the art form of it. So I think that's what you're going to hear. And did you play some of your own instruments on the album as well? Keys a little bit. Okay. Keys a little bit. I'm a singer songwriter. I can tap out the melodies and then tell the piano man to play it like this. Kind of like James. Right. 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 <laughs> kind of like James. So yeah, but uh, I mean, you'll hear me in every song. I mean, it's my voice, of course, but it's you know, it's pretty much how I approach uh, R and B and soul music, which is kind of an elusive lost art, I think, yeah. right now. What do you think is missing from music today? I think integrity is missing a lot. I think it's more formula now. I think uh, the powers that be are are uh, 
they love real music, but they won't sell it. They'll put yeah. that in front of you, and they'll and they're on the way home. They'll listen to some real shit. Can yeah. I curse? Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> I just did. Um, I think that's what's missing is authenticity, and really where you have to really, you know, be saying something and really be able to sing and be able to play. You know yeah. what I mean? I think a lot of times with technology and with formula, you can get around that, and, and very few artists can really truly do that. And I think the ones that do, can do that are the ones that will continue to stay every decade as music changes they'll they'll change their sound but the, the authenticity and their talent will always rise to the top so I think that's what it's missing because you know now it's that quick it's that attention span is quick you gotta yeah. keep putting out music you know the kids they wanna hear it then they off it what's next what's next so it's kind of hard to create some type something that, that lasts that's you know true what I mean and then who are some of the people that motivated you as far as musically as, as you prepared your album and just and just creating music overall? Well, a lot of those guys that I just mentioned who was on, on set influenced me. Um, I mean, R&B-wise, I'm of the Motown era, you yeah. know. You know, I was I was signed to Motown. My mom was almost signed there. I was, I was heavily into Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. Uh, later on in the 80s as a little kid, I was into, you know, uh, Peter Gabriel and Sting and yeah. Duran Duran and, and uh, Seal you know, I love Omar. I loved a lot of European artists. Um, I was introduced when the videos first started popping on Friday night, um, and then hip hop was was heavily uh, in my house. And then in the '90s, when Boys and Men came, and Boys Silk and, and Jodeci mm-hmm. yeah. and all these male groups came along, I was like, "That's what I." When I saw a New Edition concert, I was like, "If I could just have the six suit." <laughs> and they just performed just, here, and Bobby I heard was on point. If I could just be there, I would be done. I, I'd be life would be perfect. I wanted to be one of those guys, mm-hmm. so it motivated me to try to like. I want to do this. Like my group in Augusta, we were like the a local Jodeci cats. We redid "Stay" and "Come and Talk to Me." We had the combat boots with the long jacket, and and I could sing. So a couple times we almost fooled him. I thought, but um, that that really, really, really influenced me. You know what I mean? I wanted to do this. Can you give us a little sample acapella of like one of your favorite songs on the album? Maybe like a little five seconds. Of what album? Of your new album coming out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can be a star tomorrow, but it wouldn't matter, baby, you know, now if I didn't have you. Ooh, I want to be famous for loving you. How could you blame us for trying, boo? I don't need these cars, these movie stars, everything that I do. Just famous for loving you. I think I think a lot of ladies are waiting at the door. <laughs> Maybe we might have to hold them back. Oh, come on in. Come on in. Penny Penny's just melting off of it. Come on round. Come on round. You got Courtney sweating over here, man. Oh, it's hot. It's hot in here. Where will the album drop? Drop. You know what? I'm still finishing it up, so I'm going to say later this year. I'm looking at October, okay. something like that. But uh, I want to get this single. After this single is a song called Love Somebody. Okay. And uh, I'm going to kind of let the powers that be dictate. The great thing about being an indie artist is you can kind of call your own shots. You yeah. know what I mean? So it'll be out this year, though. So I'll, I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop. Music okay. video? Video for sure. We're working on a video for Famous right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up. We have a couple of uh, extra questions we want to ask you to really get to know you. Let's get uh, it. Let's start with uh, what is one item on your personal bucket list? Uh, personal bucket list? I want to run with the Bulls. What? Huh? Wow. All right. That's scary, but. Wow. What's something that fans would be surprised to know about you? Um, they may be surprised that I like to cook. 
I'm, I'm a little domesticated. I could be a bit of a homebody. What's your you best know? dish? Salmon. I do oh, a mean, healthy. <laughs> healthy. I Sings, do a, cooks. I do a mean salmon, but then we have a, like what spice flavors? Sweet flavors right. though, it's, well, it's I do salmon. Is it like a lemon? Well, I do olive oil, lemon, uh, garlic, green onions, uh, goya, pepper. <laughs> a healthy grain on the side. I'm okay with that. A healthy brown rice. You, you, I should have brought some. Through. I didn't Listen, like next salmon. interview, you can bring I us a couple know. food samples. We it's all good. You snacks. like salmon? Yeah. So I love to cook. Uh, I love to cook fish. You know, I'm, I'm, I try to eat healthy, and then uh, Twizzlers for dessert. <laughs> Twizzlers, Twizzlers for dessert. that's the go-to. Right. Twizzlers. What's the last book you read, or a book beside your t- bedside right now? Um, the last book I read was uh, The Alchemist, Ooh. which everyone has just read. That yeah, every, everyone's been trying to tell me to read, and I and I and I loved it. It was uh, it was serious. Cool. It was serious. What album will you never get tired of listening to? Songs in the Key of Life. Stevie yes, Wonder and Great Diary album. of a Mad Band yes Jody. sir crazy oh and NWA <laughs> 100 Miles and Running I can't wait for that movie to come out oh. I'll say. Yeah, that's next uh, August I think next, year, next yeah. August yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah who inspires you who inspire? I think people who are hard working people disciplined people who kind of push through I mean that's a long list I mean from Obama to my mama you know what I mean <laughs> and everybody <laughs> in between like who's really like done some something that's like unheard of and they continuously they continue to do it like Jordan would come out every night and give you 50 every night every raining night. flu sick whatever I think that that consists because everybody can be great once but those are who are just great all the time mm-hmm. they influence me they inspire me fantastic and last but not least what is one word that you would use to describe yourself um hard working we'll take it and that is true because you've had a long career since you've started already. I feel old, man. But more great things to come. More, much more life ahead. Sexy chocolate? Come on. <laughs> Sexy chocolate. Sexy chocolate. Sexy chocolate. That's two words, ain't it? That's two words, ain't it? <laughs> That's the third single, y'all. That's the third That's single. The third. Sexy chocolate. Yes, Mo. Hershey remix. <laughs> Well, thank you, Keith, for joining us today on Black Hub Live Portraits, man. We appreciate it. Congratulations on the single that's dropping tomorrow. Thank you, brother. Everybody go pick that up. Pick it up. Download Download it. it, All that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And congratulations on Get On Up, man. Thanks, uh, man. Check it's it a, out, a movie that's it's needed. Great. Everybody should check it out. Keep yeah. it at the top of the box office. Go see that. Go see it. Go see, Go see, it. see it. Where can your fans find you? Keith Sings. One word. Keith Sings. Tweet me. Instagram me. Uh, my Facebook is Keith Robinson Sings. So anything Keith Sings related is me. And just hit me up. I'll hit you back. Jesse, where can your fans find you? DJ Jesse J. Courtney. DJ. Twitter, Instagram, Stuart Starlet. At Dario Kristen uh-huh. on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits with Keith Robinson today. Go yeah. check out Get On Up and buy that single. Get hey. On Up and buy his new single. Hey. From producers Maria Menunos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.